Hey, this is Phil Yanov with the Tech After Five podcast, and I am here with my pal, Scott Pfeiffer. He's right there on my screen. I don't know where he is on yours, but he's right there. Hey, Scott, how are you doing, friend? I'm great. How are you, Phil? I am, uh, I am doing quite good. I'm going to tell you, I had some uh, real clarity in some conversations that I had with some folks this week, both for myself and for them. And so I, I'm feeling supercharged about both the stuff we've got going on and the way we're interacting with the world. So I am very happy about that, but I'd like to uh, find out for you, how are things in your world? You know, we uh, continue through some, uh, you know, we got some weirdness, but things are changing. And I mean, the ground just feels like it's shifting all the time. I mean, you know, this week uh, we see uh, folks doing uh, graduation ceremonies. They're doing them sort of socially distanced. Um, I've talked to some folks who are talking about what their back to work plans are for the folks that they have working for them. Um, and, you know, I've got folks who are, you know, now going into the office for their jobs, right? So, I mean, people who weren't before, and then I've even talked to some folks who have started new gigs. So I think the world is in a bunch of different places, but I thought we ought to uh, check in a little bit with you and me and the folks that we're talking to, as well as maybe, uh, you know, giving some useful advice on how we get started on some new things. Because I'm, I'm worried about something and I want to come back to that. But first off, talk to me about, you know, what you've been seeing with you and your clients in the tech space over the last week or so. Yeah, things are definitely starting to uh, change and open back up. Uh, one of my clients, I helped them uh, draft a return to work plan, and they are uh, implementing that in phases. They started phase one this week with a voluntary return to work. Uh, if you're a worker and you want to work out of the office, you can, and it's um, more cleaning, the, the cleaning crew coming in more often. Uh, daily, <clears throat> when you come in, you sanitize your workspace, can't use other people's stuff, social distancing measures. We made sure we have plenty of hand sanitizer and soap and things like that. Uh, the executive team talked a lot about the importance of leading by example, maintaining distance, uh, washing their hands frequently, being careful when you use common items, that sort of thing. I think we had, you know, a mix of people. Some people aren't ready to come back. Some people couldn't wait to come back, but that seems to be going well. Um, I personally have begun uh, opening my business up to small face-to-face -face meetings. So I am having my first face-to-face -face business meeting tomorrow um, with Brad Cunningham. He and I are going to get together with maybe one member of his team and, you know, we'll be at a conference table, but we'll actually be in the same room um, and Brett Mingo from Cortel is going to come down to Greenville uh, next week and so we'll be meeting face to face so I've I've started doing that clients I have started doing that now my sister who lives in Northern California they're still completely locked down no restaurants are open no stores are open swimming pools not open all that. So they're still very much locked down, but around here, things are, are, uh, seem to be opening up a bit. Yeah. So, uh, how, uh, so you've got some of those folks who are coming back to work. Is that, how's that working? I mean, yeah, I, I understand what the plan is. What's the actual execution looking like? 
Yeah, this week it has looked pretty good. Um, the people who've wanted to come back have come back. Other people are staying home. So I think they're at half-ish uh, workforce, even the among the management team. About half wanted to come back and work in the office. About half wanted to stay home. Um, <clears throat> people seem to be, at least for now, um, doing a good job of keeping things clean, washing their hands, disinfecting their hands, staying apart. Um, you know, we put in rules like you can't go touch somebody else's stuff. <laughs> yeah, I get that. So what are they um, self-reporting and stuff like that? How are you guys handling that? And I mean, that just kind of feels important to me. I mean, yeah. you know, there's been a big thing in the news this week about uh, a whole group of folks who have been infected, but were not reporting to their coworkers. Holy so, cow. Can you believe that? That's, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That should yeah. be criminal. But yeah. Um, yeah. So part of the policy is a self-report so that you are required if you're coming to the office to take your temperature every morning. And if it's over 100, you don't come in and you tell your supervisor that you're not coming. Um, if you don't feel well, you don't come in. And if you know you've been exposed to someone who doesn't feel well, you don't come in. Uh, but it's largely left to individuals to self-monitor and self-report. It's a small company. I think the management team, we discussed mandatory things like take a picture of it and send it to your supervisor kind of things. But we decided small business, uh, we, we trust all the employees that are there, I think. To, right. uh, to do that and to do a good job of it. Yeah, and I think the, I mean, my guess is you're in an environment where folks understand that. I think, you know, where you come into a little, is folks where either large, more far flung, you don't, under, you know, you don't know the people as well, perhaps, you know, yeah. uh, and they're, and maybe for them, it's, you know, they feel like it's super important to be there and they might make bad decisions about showing up at work. I mean, this is kind of where we're at the beginning end of this. <clears throat> you know, my wife saw this and it, so they had policies in place for their employees and they had vendors who would show in up with a fever at their place, dropping stuff off. Yeah. You know, I think that's, you know, that's a great point. We don't, we're not in a situation where if you stay home because you have a fever, you're still going to get paid. Yeah. Right. It, if you've got a situation where people that stay home aren't going to get paid or they're going to get paid less or they can only stay on a certain number of days and then they're going to get fired, you've created an, an incentive for them to, um, you know, what's in their best interest. Do they go to work? Do they stay home? If you create that bad incentive, uh, then you're setting yourself up for failure. And if you have a, a bunch of people that are working, you don't really know them all very well. And especially if they've got the problem, you know, they're hourly. If they don't work, they don't get paid. Right. Now you, you can't just rely on self-reporting. You've got to do things like, you know, do the temperature gun when they show up at the door kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, or create policies that don't put this tension into place. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's the thing is at the moment, you know, even if it were sort of temporary as we're getting through this, let's create some things to make this easier for people to, do what we need to do to keep everybody healthy, right? That's just what we're trying to get done. I mean, we want to get our work done. We want to get stuff underway, but uh, we at the same time don't want to, uh, you know, don't want to kill anybody while we're- Sure, sure. And I think part of this uh, setting policies is 
your, what is your worldview, right? I mean, I run into people whose worldview is that given a choice or an opportunity, most people would choose not to work. They would just want to stay home and lay on the couch and watch TV. Um, and I, I think that might be true for a week or so, but my worldview is I believe most people given a real choice would choose to do some sort of productive work. Uh, it's more fulfilling. So I'm not particularly worried if I created an incentive that says, if you stay home, you're still going to get paid, but come to work if you can. I think most people are going to choose if they feel well to come to work and do their jobs because they get satisfaction out of coming to work and do their jobs. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. But I think there are people that worry that if they create that, then everybody will just stay home and yeah. say sick. If that's happening, then I think you should take a look at your work environment and your hiring practices. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's opportunities to fix you that. You obviously that hate your job. <laughs> right, 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 right. I was going to say, I would have thought that being trapped at home would get people to realize, I mean, just based on the folks who are so eager to get back, that it's pretty clear. People would rather be working than sitting home, regardless of whether they're getting paid or not. They would, they're just not wired for not having that social interaction or the meaning that comes from doing meaningful work. Well, I, I think that's largely true. Yeah. I think people derive meaning from doing meaningful work and, and over time, most people will choose to do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's true. Well, I'm glad to see things are moving along and it sounds like it's, uh, you know, you'll have some learning as you go along the way, but that folks are kind of getting their businesses underway. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, um, what most of the people I talk to are doing is, we recognize, and it says in the policy, we're going to monitor the situation and we could clamp back down if necessary. I think what people are looking at is the um, bed space availability in hospitals and ICUs. As long as there's ample bed space availability in hospitals and ICUs, I think that people feel somewhat comfortable coming to work with precautions and let's monitor the number of infections that are going on if, if it continues to go down or it goes down, then maybe you go to phase two and you loosen things up a bit more, maybe even eventually go to a mandatory return to work if that's what you want to do. Right. Um, and if the number of beds, if it goes up and the number of beds starts to creep up where we're getting up to 80, 90% utilization, you know, that's when people really start to die is when there aren't beds available for people that get sick. And, you know, if that happens, then they're going to have to clamp it back down. But you just got to, keep your eye on those indicators and listen to what the CDC says and do your best. Yeah. Now, I think that makes uh, perfect sense. And that's the kind of thing, you know, kind of the reasonable numbers we can be monitoring. And, uh, you know, I'm going to join a whole bunch of other folks to say, I think your mental state would be better if you don't watch a whole lot of the news, you know, get, get what you need and uh, try to stay away from the outrage machine that really wants to entangle you. Because remember, in that outrage machine, my friend, you are the product. Um, so, uh, <laughs> right. You're what they're selling. Yeah. So, uh, you know, try not to get a whole, get all wrapped up inside of that. Well, we had a, uh, a great Tech After Five in Charleston this week. That was super fun. Had a great, you know, a good in crowd there. You know, we've experimented with some things. We talked about this a little bit last week with the uh, digital dive. We did another experiment in Charleston. You know, the thing that we're doing, um, you know, of course, Tech Capital 5 is just is about the networking component, really, right? I mean, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of programmed event, right? We don't have a lot of 
bits where the people from the front are talking to you. Um, it, we do that a little bit, but mostly it's like, how do we meet a few people? We do some introductions wide, and then we kind of throw them into rooms. And uh, again and again, I never do one of these calls where someone goes, I didn't even know you could do that. This is, you know, they're of course new to our events. They've not been to our events before, but they're going to other events, which are not utilizing the feature either. And we're trying to be pretty clever about it. You know, we've done it as doing as small as uh, three people in a room, you know, as many as six. Um, based on timing, I think that's probably about right. I mean, depending on what you're trying to get done, that's the right way to do those breakout rooms, right? But I have got some, uh, I got some cool ideas for where we're headed with that and what we're going to do next. But the other learning, you know, we talked uh, last week about repacking. What are the things we get to take with us as we go into the future? One of the things that I'm getting both in emails and folks on the calls are saying, I would like to be able to do this even when we go back to live events, right? I would like to have the opportunity, for example, this week we kind of openly invited some folks, hey, why not drive with us to Charleston? Because, you know, it's just going to your screen and doing that thing on your screen. And yeah. uh, you know, we had some uptake on folks who just like, I just wanted to go down and visit the people in Charleston and see what they were all about. So that was super fun. Yeah, I thought the Tech After Five Greenville last week was great. Uh, I thought the digital dive well, first one, I thought that went really, really well. Yeah. Uh, so I've been very excited and I'm, I am one of those. I think that after things change back and we go back to more face to face tech after fives, I would still love us to continue to do a digital tech after five every month. Even if we do it in a different city and invite everybody to come, like you said, let's take a drive to Charleston this month or something. Whatever it is, uh, we do an ecumenical one, whatever we decide to end up doing. But I think we, uh, we definitely need to keep, keep some digital in our lives because that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I've got some real interesting ideas about how we might approach that. And I'm going to spend some time. I am spending time this week working on that as well. Doing what are the new things we're going to add to? What is June? We're going to add some features in June. Uh, add some ways that we interact with a crowd in June. We want this to be interesting to you, right? Uh, yeah. So let's go do this and make it happen. Um, so my thing today was kind of born out of that and some conversations I've been having with uh, you know, one of the guys that talks to me about what we do. And, you know, he looked at what I said we wanted to do with the digital dive. And again, my thing kind of focusing this forward about what, how we're going to make this work. And uh, he looked at me and he said, you know, Phil, to me, what you've got in mind looks directionally correct. And he said, this is a term that we used to use at Microsoft when we were developing programs at Microsoft. And he said, it was kind of the format for this was that we knew that we didn't know what we were going to need at the end. But if we at least get started in the right direction, we'd let the audience kind of tell us where we were headed. And, you know, this was one of those moments of clarity that I had during week is to say, you know what, I, I've got to agree. I don't know exactly where this goes, but starting and trying to impact the audience. You know, I'm starting with the value in my case, you know, one of my assumed value or my, uh, yeah, take on values is the value of having impact. How can I have impact on my audience? How can I equip them with the things they need in the world, right? You and I, we see the world the same way. We're out here, we're trying to make a difference. We're trying to help people, right? That's what we're trying to do. Okay. Uh, so my thing was, and I, but I have also been one of those cats who is, 
might be nervous about doing something because you don't think you got right. And I, I don't know if it's whether I want to be embarrassed or I just don't like delivering an inferior product. I don't like the feeling it gives me when I'm not as good as I can be. Uh, so I've had to teach myself to say, okay, and I'm going to use the words that uh, uh, Dick Carlson gave me when we worked this week, which is say directionally correct. You are directionally correct. Let's, let's go that way, kids. And, um, you know, and be willing in this environment to just sort of run experiments. So I'm trying to think of how can we come up with a framework, Scott, to encourage the folks in our audience to say, hey, directionally correct is good enough to get started. Let's go start. I think that's exactly right. And, you know, I've always believed or noticed that momentum is what helps get projects done. No matter what you're trying to do, if, if, whether you're trying to close a deal, momentum matters. You're trying to get a book written, momentum matters. Trying to put a project together, momentum matters. And when you stall out, that's when things fail and, or fall apart or get left by the wayside. And the biggest place you can have a stall is right before you start because you're trying to get everything perfect and you just can't get off the mark because it's not ready. It's not right. It's not a hundred percent, but um, having an idea of the end of what you want to achieve helps you get a direction. And then you just have to build momentum. So how do you, uh, when you're thinking about a new project, how do you find that direct, how do you make sure you're directly connect correct? How do you find the direction from the beginning? Yeah. You know, I think for me, um, and this is something we've helped other folks do as well, right? We have to apply a few tests to figure out, does this actually fit within my value system, right? I mean, if it doesn't, if it doesn't align with my values, and like, let's set aside for a moment our core values, right? You know, I want to be uh, courageous. I want to act with wisdom. I want to act with temperance, et cetera. You know, th there, are, there are core values that, I, you know, those are non-negotiables, right? That's where I'm going to start. Now, the thing is, when I've said, what are my values for how I want to live my life, right? We, we and we've done, uh, you know, I've been through a number of values clarification exercises. You and I have run groups of people through values clarification exercises in the past. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, what's that called? Realign something. The, what, the cards that we've used to do this multiple yeah. times that I got out of Atlanta. Um, oh. But those cards, I mean, this kind of says, this is where I'm headed. So one of my tests is, is this aligned with my values? And if I have the value of uh, impact, this is a strong one for me, you know, for both of us, it's equipping others, right? Giving them the tools that they need, right? So if I can come up with something I think is aligned with my values going forward, you know, one of the tests that I apply to things is, is it giving me an opportunity to learn as I go? Because I'm, I'm a learning cat. I like to be in that spot where I get to learn new things. Am I getting to work with the best, right? Am I getting to work with people I enjoy working with? Because to me, it's just not worth it to go have to do something and I'm going to end up with people that creep, creep me out in one way or another, right? I That's want none of that. Perfect. Yeah, I just need it. So, so all of those things I've got to, those are the first tests that I apply. But I wasn't as good earlier because when I was younger, right? Because I thought, oh, I'm, I'm fear of missing out. Or, you know, I'd, and I'd say, I'd take things on that I thought were kind of, that in the end were sort of questionable deals and that you work with people you just 
didn't care to work with you. The style wasn't good going back and forth or whatever. It just, it just was not a good plan. So I think the first thing is, does it align with my values? And then, you know, the longer term test, you know, we ask people a lot of times in their careers, right? Um, would you do this for 20 years? You know, what, what do you, I mean, is this the kind of thing you'd do for 20 years or pick 10 if that's your planning horizon? I don't know. But mm -hmm. the point is, is it something that you can see yourself doing over the long haul? Right. I mean, it's the thing I can see myself going forward and doing. Sure. And I think that actually can cut both ways. I think in, in a situation like you and me, we're a little older, we're more established. There's no reason for us to do anything that we wouldn't want to do for the rest of our careers. Right. I mean, there's no reason to start something that's not something I'd want to do for a long time. So I think that's a great test. If you're 22 or 23, that may be a debilitating question that prevents you from starting something. And maybe the test is, let me go do this and I only have to do it for a short period of time. I'm not making a lifelong commitment mm. to be a bartender in a craft brewery. Right. But, you know, I have this opportunity and if it meets with my other values, let me go do it. Let me, let me take this risk. Let me, take this opportunity. Let me go learn something. And I don't have to say it's forever. Right. So I think depending on what situation you're in, that question can go either way, whatever makes you, frankly, it's whichever side of the question makes you feel like you want to get going. Yeah, no, I think that's right. You know, and one of the things I hadn't thought about from that perspective is I, I use that question even more often when someone's trying to decide between two or three avenues, right? That will bring that question up a lot in that spot because they're saying, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, right? And there's two or three avenues. They're, they don't have all the resources to do them all is typically what it is. If, it, if they've got any wisdom at all, they realize they don't have sufficient resources to attack all three, right? Yeah. And so then you say, all right, well, now here's a test that you can use to kind of sift between those. But, you know, when you talk about how when someone who's like at the beginning edge of their career, how, how might they decide to do something? You know, I think one of those other tests, one of what that I applied earlier is one of the most important. And I say, I don't know, if, if you've got the money taken care of or the money is going to take care of you, that's all good. Then the question becomes, what is what can you learn while taking under this step? What is your goal? What is it? What are your goals as a learning individual to learn while you are doing this so that you can figure out how to get started, right? Yeah, so you're not just exchanging work for money. You're actually getting something additional out of it. You have some plan and it may be you'll learn whether or not this is for you. Like if you're a young person and you get offered an opportunity, maybe it's an entry level sales thing and you think you might be good at sales, but you don't know. And right. you don't know if you'll like it. Well, it doesn't have to be forever. And you can learn some useful skills that can carry you into me. You can use, you can use your sales skills. You're going to learn when you buy your own house or your own car. I mean, there's a lot of ways in life you use that skill and it doesn't have to be forever. So, you know, maybe go for it. But if you've got three opportunities, I can go over here and be in sales. I can go over here and be an executive. Then, well, which one of those do you think matches with you and that you could do for 20 years? Uh, maybe that's a good way to decide between, you know, three good choices. Yeah, no, I think that's all good. Again, I, you know, what we really 
what my was in my thinking today is I think we're in that time. We have lots of choices we could be making, but we could also just be saying, I'm kind of tired. I think I'm going to not do anything. And we're trying to get you off your butt. And this is the B-U-T butt in this case, right? I could do this, but I don't know how, but I don't have this or but I don't have that, right? I'm right. resource constrained in some way that I've imagined, but isn't true. Um, we want to get you off your butt and get you started on doing something because we would just like you to run an experiment. We're, you know, we're at this, we're helping this tech audience because we know the tech audience is capable of awesome things. Um, they just need some path, you know, they need to, they need a way to go forward. So, you know, our, it is our thing here to help you in a bunch of ways. One of them is to give you hope and a path. And we're saying, if you just get started, you might just find out you're good at a thing you didn't even know. Yeah. So what do you think the next step is? You, if you've aligned it with your values, it's something you think fits there. Uh, now what? Yeah. And so I think, quite frankly, you take, I, I would, I, my thing is on the front end is to decide what are we going to measure? So again, so I, you know, I talked about it from a, a value standpoint and I also have, a couple of goals that I have, right? So I had overriding goals that I would set for myself for the course of the year. And, you know, you kind of weave in and out of them because things, the world buffets you in certain ways, right? But then I think, okay, I set these goals. Are those goals still meaningful to me? Yes, they're meaningful to me. Does this project align? Is it a step towards getting me towards where I want to go if these are my goals? Again, if it passes that gateway as well, then... I move forward, right? I mean, but if I, but if I'm at a, if it's somehow just like, oh my God, you know what? I'm looking at this and I realize it's just a distraction. This is sometimes a place where I'll say no, or I'll say, how can I realign the project to make it do what I want to do? You know, because sometimes I'll do things because they're fun or interesting. That's a hobby. But if it's part, but if, I, but if I'm headed towards for my business or career professionally, I mean, it's got to meet certain criteria for me. It's got to reward me in certain ways. Uh, so that I will stay interested in it over the long haul. Yeah, I think part of being directionally correct is um, if you're thinking about a new venture, a new side gig, a new whatever, it's, you know, does it meet my goals, my long-term goals? Am I helping the right people? And you have to ask yourself, who, who am I going to be helping? Right. What is it they need that I can do? And then you've got to make sure it's priced right, that it's worth your time, right? And so if you're doing a... Um, if you decide, one trick that I like to use is, say I'm going to do something that's going to take me, uh, you know, five hours. And how do I price that? Well, you know, one trick is to take your month. Month's about 20 days of work. Um, so you can do it like that. Maybe 120 hours or so, depending on how hard you want to work. And just uh, kind of like your trick of would you do this for 20 years? Mine is if I did this for every hour I have for the whole month, am I right. making the money I want to make? Right. And so you can multiply that out. That's just math. And hopefully our tech audience is good enough at math to do that. Right. You multiply that out and you say, okay, I might not want to do this every hour, but if I did, have I priced it right? Am I making what I want to make? Uh, and that can help you. And so all we're trying to do is get the direction, right? So we know who we're helping. <clears throat> Maybe we know what our value proposition is. Are we giving, you know, the best price, the best service for the best quality? And we know that we've priced it kind of right. 
and then go. Yeah. Go try to find that first customer. Right, right. So, and that's a, as a professional exercise, right? Or as a career exercise, the question is, is it even possible for, yeah. for us to spit that thing out? So yeah. we go back to that and it's kind of like you said, so, you know, if you figure out it's a month and let's just say that's uh, you know, there's four weeks in a month and I don't know, maybe you want to work in, and, and you know, you and I have worked people through this, like how many hours do you actually want to work in a week? Right. Cause yeah. we do not assume a 40 hour work week, right. When we're doing that's this. Terrible. That sounds terrible. It does sound terrible. But, you know, if I'm willing to work, I don't know, even 20 hours a week, right? I mean, if I'm willing to wanting to or willing to put that in, then does the math work out for me, right? Sure. Well, that's right. And, you know, um, this takes us, so we're, we've kind of got our ideas. Um, we kind of think we have it priced right. We kind of think we know who we're going to help. Now it's time to just start. And this takes us to your point, um, which is get the direction correct and then iterate. Yeah. So that is, and so we set goals and milestones, right? And you might have in the beginning, they may be shorter. You may be testing this thing every week. Then you go to monthly or something like that. But basically you're looking back and saying, am I still directionally correct is this towards getting me where I want to go with my time etc and uh, you know it doesn't yield the results that I needed to yield for me to be interested in this over the long haul and if not what do I have to change well that's you know. right and you can you can iterate as you go as you meet people you know get out there the best way to find out if your if your plan has legs is to go meet with someone who you think is a good target customer and pitch it to them. And if they say no, ask them why so that you can iterate the plan. What is it about the, the thing I pitched to you that's no good? Is it price too high? Is it not what you need? If it's not what you need, what is it that you need, you know, in this vein? So right. to create a side hustle of helping people, update their LinkedIn profiles, because I think that right now is a great time for people to be updating their LinkedIn profiles. Then I might figure out who I thought I could help and how much I thought I would charge. And then I might go to somebody and say, Hey, can I help you do this? Here's yeah. what it looks like to me. And you know, you can find friendly uh, people to pitch it to at first and say, you know, what do you think? Right? Is it priced right? You know, they might say sold and then you might think well maybe i priced it too low <laughs> well and you can do that at the beginning if that's what you want to do right then that like you said that's the thing you're going to iterate you know uh, it's funny you should say that because even this as we go into recording today i've got someone texting me asking me about a potential side hustle right that they are thinking about running for themselves and they just want to know is it a good idea or a bad idea and so we're gonna you know i'm thinking we ought to test that you know um We've done some things where we've talked a few people through some pitching. I wonder if uh, we might take a few folks who are interested, if they had a side hustle or something they wanted to run by us, would they be willing to record with us and let us do a little feedback session with them? If that would be useful to the audience, right? I'd be willing to do it if people thought it would be helpful. Yeah, that's right. If we can help a few people, I wouldn't mind uh, doing a few of that. So if you've got a side hustle that you'd be willing to spend uh, you know, give us a few minutes of presentation or whatever, talk to us about what you're doing and then ask questions and we can record that and share it with the audience. I think we'd be happy to help folks out do that. 
Well, again, I, th I think today kind of just putting a bow on this, the idea is let's help people start with something. Let's make sure it aligns with what they're doing. Let's give them a mechanism for starting, testing, iterating, right? Measure value. I mean, let's figure out if I'm headed in the right direction. Let's do it again and again, and again. And let's see if you can't build this thing into the thing that you want, you know, and give yourself, you know, start with, you know, what we call that minimally viable product, right? What is the least amount I can get away with to run my test? And let's go put it out in the marketplace and see what I can see. And I get it. We're all running at different cycles. I don't know if you're trying to make a little bit of cash for, you know, if you're making beer money on a side hustle or, you know, you're making a side hustle that might be your real hustle once the thing runs away from you. We're good with all of that, right? We want you to do well. And, Remember, uh, momentum, momentum, momentum. Yeah, try not to stall, right? Don't let it stall. Don't let it stall. Yeah, yeah that's super good. All right, Scott, I love this. Um, so uh, we're going to put a thing out there and say, if you're interested in us, send us a note. You can do that through uh, LinkedIn. You can send us a note through Twitter. You can send us a note through... I really wish you wouldn't use Facebook, but if you have to, you can send me a message on Facebook, but uh, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, or you can uh, email me or one of those other things, but um, send us, uh, send us a pitch, you know, tell us, Hey, I may be interested in talking to you guys and we'll talk about putting some of our uh, little testing here. We'll put a side hustle test for you and do some coaching. If you're interested in doing that with us so that we can share it with the audience, we would love to do that. Right. Yeah. Be great. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Scott, tell folks how they get a hold of you when uh, they're not listening to you on the Tech After Five podcast. The best way to connect is on LinkedIn, where I'm Scott Pfeiffer. Uh, I have a website. It's www.fscottp.com. I'm on Twitter at fscottp. And uh, my email address is strategybusinessconsulting at gmail.com. Awesome. All right. Uh, I am Phil Yanov. In my day job is running Tech After Five. My life's endeavor is bringing strong, smart, capable IT professionals together so that they can build businesses and advance their careers. And we've been doing that for a dozen years and over 500 events already. Holy cow, right? It's a pile of stuff. So we're getting people together and we're doing that online at the moment. But our job is to help you make meaningful connections, whether we're doing that face-to-face -face or online. We're looking for credible, meaningful connections. We want to build, help you build your network for life, right? So do that with us. Uh, you can find me at philyanov.com or go to techafter5 at techafter5.com or the simple little awesome URL, T. A and the figure five, tangoalpha5.com. We're that kind of nerd. We got that three-letter domain, friends. Click on it. Um, we paid for it. So uh, come find us there. And, uh, you know, ways you can help us at the moment. If you're a YouTube person, you could go and uh, subscribe to the channel. I mean, I don't want to be the cat that's begging, but I'm going to ask you for that favor in the moment if we're doing good for you. And the reason we want to ask you that is because we've been doing the audio podcast for a long while. The YouTube thing is new to us, and we're asking you to go do that so it opens up some new features so that we can reach an even wider audience. So if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel, and many of you have, I really appreciate that. Um, That'll get us where we need to go. So TA5.com, uh, and thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye.